everyone. Welcome to Outcasts, a limited series on Afterthought Media where I, Jay Ellis, do my best impression of Connie Chung and deep dive into the lives of Afterthought hosts. My guest today is known for his work on RuPaul's Drag Race Recap, Catching Up, Fat Camp, The Rumor Mill, Throwing Down, Pit Crew, Relaska Thoughts, Girls on Film, The Geeky Gay, WTF with Mark Barron, Armchair Expert with Dak <laughs> Shepard, and Serial. <laughs> Basically, the only show you won't find him on is Survive yeah. Her. Yeah. Please welcome the founder of Afterthought Media, Joe Batanz. Yeah, Hi, know, Joe. I, hello. And I noticed you did this with Lori, too. You forgot one of my favorite shows, Hello Uglies. Oh, Hello Uglies. I How did yeah. I forget that one? I know. And Lori didn't notice either. She's like, yeah, those are the shows I'm on. And I'm like, oh, I'm so, yeah, I'm so sorry. Well, uh, and pretend I said, we'll edit in Hello Uglies in there too. <laughs> Worst <laughs> yeah, interview that, ever. That That's <laughs> actually funny because that is one of the shows that you talk about the most and just how much you have fun doing that show. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we, we, we do keep it seasonal. So, like, it's only on when Dracula's on with the exception of a couple of specials here and there. That's true. And to be fair, when I was doing kind of the credits of like what I was going to introduce you, I was going through recent Patreon posts. That yeah, way yeah, I just yeah. kind of had the, the most known shows that are yeah. happening right now. So the first, I, you were saying that you had listened to most recently the episode with Laurie Roggenkamp. Mm-hmm. And you don't really know the questions that are coming. But kind of the first thing I asked her is just so I know, I, I think I have an idea, but how do you identify just how do you want me to talk to you? I identify as you know. I actually have to, when I, have, I, go, I occasionally go to a gay man's group therapy, and this is a, a, a question we have to answer when we go around the room. Um, I I kind of go by the RuPaul kind of school of like, you can call me she, you can call me he, just call me kind of thing, right? So <laughs> okay, like, I actually yeah. I wish people would do the ZZA. I, I I'm fine with that too. What um, ZZA? I've never heard that. Yeah, there are some uh, people who are n- uh, not who are non-gender specific um, who will go by ZZA. They prefer that one. I would love for people to do a ZZA on me. Uh, Is that something that you've kind of thought about as non-binary? No. I, okay. But, but the point is that, like, I do subscribe to the whole gender as a construct, and uh, I don't... You literally could... I know people get really upset i remember i have a friend named mercedes who you know mm-hmm. and i remember a few years ago we went it was me her and chris her husband and we were in a car and we drove into this like oh it was the parking structure for the academy right and there's this big intimidating like security guard and um mercedes says like oh we're supposed to be here for this thing and he goes like oh you're in the wrong parking structure and then like really kind of gruff and she goes girl and I was like, <laughs> and I remember we drove away, and I was like, "Oh my God, Mercedes, you called him girl!" And he, I'm like, he could have punched you in the face. And she goes, "How how many years have people been like dude to me?" And I was like, "Oh, that makes total sense." Where people are calling like, or they'll say a group of women say, "Hey guys," or "dude" or whatever. So like, who gives a shit? It's just a fucking word. I'm absolutely guilty of that because whenever I address, it's always like, hey guys, or how's it going guys? And mm-hmm. even you just told me right before we started that one of your listeners, or one of our listeners right now just had a baby. And the first question that came to my mind was, oh, boy or girl. And I'm just trying to get out of that gender construct of asking mm-hmm. that question because what does it even matter? It doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah. And um, okay. yeah. yeah, I was gonna say we hopped right in. But really, I want to tell people because in case they're just jumping to this episode first, and they don't know exactly what Outcasts is. It was a podcast that was kind of born out of the COVID virus going on right now. And just mm-hmm. um, really deep diving into who the, the hosts are of Afterthought Media. This is obviously something you're very close to because you're the founder of Afterthought. And so I've already gone through a couple. So you're you're my next guest, which I'm so happy to talk to you because I've known you for a while now. 
And I would say I know about you, but I know sometimes just it feels like surface level things. And I don't know kind of your past or your history. So this will be fun for me to deep dive into your life and talk about your coming out process and kind of who, what made you who you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it, I think to get a complete picture, I'm not I'm not advocating this. You would have to listen to all the old episodes of Catching Up, all the episodes of Drag Race Recap, every show. Because I think if you put that together, I think there's only... A couple of stories that are just not out there, but uh, pretty much almost everything's out there, but in little places, pieces everywhere. So, but you're, you've, you've mentioned before that you have put on show batons, which is a kind of a persona for sometimes when you're recording. So, are you always kind of giving just a nugget of truth with every story? Or I know because I've been a part of some of the stories that you've told, and I know that there's sometimes a little leeway or there's some. Uh, liberties that you take when telling a story. So, do you take like a nugget of a of a story and then you can change it to your persona or are you keeping who you are in these stories okay that's a very good question i have you know i just dealt with this recently i was talking to uh drag queen jimmy anti but i was talking to his boy persona brett baxley and this was after the whole evan shakedown and whatever and i was talking because this is true when you talk to speaking of the same thing but that's not related i was telling him i go because when you talk to brett Brett is literally like the sweetest human being you've ever talked to in your life. Kind of like, um, there's a friend you have that you kind of talk about that, like, um, I don't know who, right? But like one of these, like, wouldn't hurt a fly, sweetest people ever. And then he gets on the air as Jimmy and is like a completely different person. So we were talking about that and I was giving, I was giving him an out saying like, well, you know, Jimmy versus Brett. He, he holds to the thing that Jimmy and Brett are the same person, right? Mm-hmm. But he said, he goes, girl, don't do this. He goes, and he made this point. He's talked about, because, you know, Brett was a, an avid fan before he was doing shows with us. He's like, there's this thing that you do that when you do it to other people, it is so funny. And I'm like, yes. But when you do it to me or when, you do, when, you're, when you're the person that you're doing it to, you get so angry and you know it's being done to you. And I, I think, you, can you relate to that or... Well, what are you, you're saying that when but what you're when talking you're, about the exact the the, the 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 taking the story and shaping it kind of thing. <laughs> What's funny is I, I can't even think of an exact example, but there's times where I felt like were we in the same place <laughs> and experiencing the same stories. Yeah. But it's but then I think that you. It, what's funny is I'll even use John or can I say his name yeah. on like yeah. what Paul? Okay, so John Turtletop, we were at your birthday party. This was what two or three years ago. Yeah. And I think it, it was a funny moment and a funny story, but it's become this exaggerated, like pretty much we've turned it into my boyfriend, Paul being, um, he, he was tearing off his shirt and rolling up his sleeves to fight him. And whereas he really had just said one comment about not liking John, yeah, but I it's, think, it's turned into this exaggerated form of what, yeah. it, from what a little Colonel. Yeah. I think the reality was turtle top left, right? He and his family left. And yes. then there was like, I, I remember it was almost like a movie. There was a beat. <laughs> And yeah, the, the boy- door had shut. Yeah, click. the door had shut, and there was a beat, and then your boyfriend said, I hate that man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and really, that was the extent of it, but yeah. it's, still, it's now it's become this grandiose, like, the push-up contest, yeah. and just, like, other things have been added in to just make it kind of a fluffed-up story. So, there, so there, it's funny that I'm giving a peek behind the curtain here, but there are a couple of things. First of all, everyone should know, I'm not, I'm never, and I think you would agree with this, I'm never lying. Never, I'm. No. I'm... You know, it's so funny because David Sedaris has written about this. I guess he does the same thing. 
is I'm never lying as much as I'm exaggerating details and reactions to make the story funnier. So if a person was like, Joe, don't do that, it becomes the person yelled at me, you mm-hmm. know, and they said, don't do that, you know. <laughs> you're adding a little you're adding a little flavor to the story yes That's it. yeah so so the, uh, often the quotes are real and and everything that happened happened i think that's what makes it hard for the person to argue is that um that everything i said is real it's just the framing of it is odd the, and but the other part of it that i never talk about is it's a weird internal joke that i'm doing for an audience of only myself which is me my me being amused at imagining let's say for instance I said something right now about Taylor okay like mm-hmm. I, if I said oh this table's a latte boy he couldn't be he couldn't even deal with me to be on the phone right and he just hung up on me okay yeah and no one said anything we just move on but in my head I'm chuckling at Taylor latte boy later in his car going wait that's what that's not true <laughs> it, it never happened and so is this yeah. weird inside joke that i'm only doing for myself be amused at a situation that i'm not even there for of taylor yeah. being like oh joe you know <laughs> well as a subject as somebody who's experienced it firsthand there is a point where you're like wait a minute did that happen <laughs> like did i say that yeah but it is fine you talked about david sedaris which i've read a couple of his books is he somebody who you feel like is influential or has kind of shaped your your you're a comedian and yeah. would you say he's somebody who's your you look out for it's so funny is, you know, so uh, when I was in college, okay, when I was in high school, I fell in love with a, with a columnist named Dave Barry. I just sort of stumbled onto him. Okay. Did you ever, did you ever read him? No. Is he a local author? Who is no, he? No, he's from Florida, but he had a, uh, he had a syndicated column for a while. I don't know if it's still around. And it was in the Orange County Register. Mm-hmm. And it came out on Sundays or something like that. And I started, yeah. I don't know why I read it, but I read it and I was like, it made me laugh. It was very dumb, right? And so I started buying all his books of his collected um, humor columns, and I go, "Oh, this is what I want to do." Okay, and so I, you know, when I got to college, I immediately signed up for the school newspaper, and I was just a normal reporter for the year or two. And then, like my junior year, going into my junior sophomore, going into junior year. Uh, a spot opened up. They they started a humor column. They'd never had one before. And I applied for it. And actually, it was my first shot of um, the little bit of a microcosm of fame. Because at UCI, it was an extremely popular humor column. Very, very popular. It was called Cup of Joe. And I have all the articles collected. I did it for two, <laughs> two years. You know? Go ahead. I don't get it. Cup of Joe. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> well, Cup of, and Cup of Joe, speaking of, sh- it's actually the first thing of show Batanz, and everything that's even happened now, you would think I would learn, has happened to me now, it happened to me then, where um, uh, there was a show Batanz, essentially. Cup of Joe was his character that I basically wrote as, and mm-hmm. he was everything that I wanted him to be, essentially, and um, did things that no one had ever done before. Like, I actually made fun of the administration and, and talked about them in a way that they liked because then they were famous. And, um, uh, and so anyway, it got very, super, super, super popular. Uh, and then be, be, after college, I liked doing it. So I wrote this thing called the weekly Joe Batanz update and I would email it to all my friends and it kind of went, 
not viral, but like mini viral, where they were ma- emailed to their friends, and it was in the early days of the internet. Mm-hmm. And so uh, a friend of mine, the night after, it was the night, uh, a friend had a party over, she lived at the time by um, uh, El Coyote, okay? Like, oh, okay. Like, just up the street. And I, Mercedes and I went to a party there, but Mercedes had a boyfriend at the time, so they just went home at a certain point, and I knew these people too. And it's the same party where I think I've talked about this before, where I, um, I don't know if I want to say, I think I've talked about it off the air, but not on the air. I made out with a, a male celebrity who was on a television show who's kind of a gay icon, but I don't think he was the time. And okay. um, uh, I've talked about it in other shows, right? Is that same mm-hmm. night. So then everybody goes home. And I was spending the night there, okay? And she, so they, they, she and the, my friend and her boyfriend, they set me up in their living room, and they're giving me blankets and whatnot. And she goes, oh, and have you ever read David Sedaris? And I go, no. And she had all these Esquire magazines. She goes, uh, read this one. This one's my favorite one. And I was like, Ugh. She goes, She goes, you remind me so much of him the way you write. And I go, all right, okay, whatever, right? And I, but I was bored and I couldn't, again, pre-internet and pre-cell phone, like iPhone, mm-hmm. so I had nothing to do. And I re- I remember exactly what the story is. It's in the book, um, Me Talk Pretty One Day. Oh, the, yeah. The story is called Jesus Shaves, right? And this is one where mm-hmm. he's taking French lessons and they start talking about Easter. And I remember I read this and I laughed so hard by myself that I started crying and I was like oh my god this guy is the funniest fucking person I've ever read in my entire life and then I started voraciously consuming and then I wanted to be him so my early writing aspirations were not screenwriting my early writing aspirations were to be the next David Sedaris and so Mm -hmm. there's a whole collection of essays and everything that I wrote trying to be the next David Sedaris so yes he was hugely influential on um and also i've said i want his fame i want yeah. david sedaris fame where you go in you, you fucking sell out your readings you know and you make nice money you go on tour and you do your reading and everyone's like yay and then when the thing's over everyone leaves you alone mm-hmm. uh, somewhat you're, anonymous you're somewhat he could go he could walk in the street no one would know who he was maybe his voice he has a very distinct voice yeah but if you're just on walking down the street you wouldn't go like oh there's david sedaris and that's, that's right. a great level of fame to have. Okay, I, I talked too much. Go ahead. Sorry. That's fine. The Sedarises are, I feel like, key in comedy. And I don't think that they get enough praise for what they actually do. Because Amy and David yeah. are hilarious. And it's interesting that that came across you without, from a suggestion of somebody that you weren't actively seeking out no. his humor or his writing. So I, I love when things click with you. And it just, it maybe may not have been if you hadn't been there and made out with Matt Bomber. Um, nope, TV not Matt Bomber. <laughs> Has three names. <laughs> have you told... Three names. Uh huh. Oh, okay. I could guess. Who? Go ahead. I'll say yes if it is. D- does he like magic? No, no. It's not Neil Patrick Harris. Oh. Mm-mm. Okay. Okay. Think it's Joe Batanz. He's younger than me, and all we did was make out. Freddie Prince Jr. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll leave it. Yeah, it's okay. I'm, I don't mind a little mystery. It's actually yeah. kind of fun for me because maybe like at midnight and I'll, I'll spring up in my bed and think, oh, I know who it is. Okay, so that was that your first, that was with the guy. And how old were you at that? You said you were in college. 
I would have been ending college. I probably would have been like 22 or... T- Let me see, because he was just out of high school. Let me see. This will give you... A that doesn't shock me. <laughs> I know. Um, <laughs> now, when you... So while you're looking that up, mm-hmm. was that your first... So you had already been out. You had been living oh, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I came out in college, my freshman year in college. And when you say coming out, what does that mean to you? Was that to friends and family or I was to yourself? I was 23. 23? Okay. And how, how, what was that process like? Uh, excuse me? Yeah. <gasps> Scandalo. You for real? That story? For real? Yeah, for, yeah, yeah. No, I, guys, I just got an insight. I got the scoop, but I'm not going to share it because yeah. it's more fun. You wouldn't, I don't think it's who any, I, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Curious. Mm-hmm. I'm, I know I do want to hear more, but you can tell me yeah. off air because yeah. that's exciting. Um, okay. So you were saying that you were 23. You'd been living out or you had been out for with friends and family or to yourself like how what was that process like for you friends and family first so um here's the tricky thing is and i'm gonna say something that's gonna get a little uncomfortable i've sort of always lived a gay life even from very young but by the first time i'm gonna go with the first time i ever said it was Mm -hmm. um freshman year in college and John Paul, our friend, right? Yeah. I was dating a guy. I was dating a guy. I was fucking a guy. I was a freshman in college. And he was a senior in college. Oh, Joe had an older guy. Yeah, actually, Twist. yeah, actually, er, Joe's early gay hookups were mostly older guys. But um, we'll get to that. Yeah. Uh, he was a senior in college. And he worked. He was a waiter at the, the restaurant, The Good Earth. Okay. Uh-huh. His name was Jim. I don't remember his last name. He had a real basic white guy last name. Like Jim Black or something like that, right? Yeah. And I wasn't comfortable. I'd never said it. That's just a weird thing. I had never said it. I just did it. Okay. And so uh John Paul John Paul and I would visit each other all the time. So he would he came to Irvine and I said, Oh, I want you to meet this friend of mine. And we went to the Good Earth where he was a waiter. And he waited on us, and he gave us free smoothies, or I don't know what they served at the Good Earth, right? And whatever, it was a normal time, and then I went back home with John Paul. And then I would say about a week or two later, not long after, John, Paul's, can I, John Paul calls me and says, can I come to Irvine and visit you? And I go, sure. And he comes over, and he picks me up, and we're driving. I, I know exactly where we were. We are on Michelson Drive in Irvine, and he... Uh, says i have to tell you something and he starts like breathing really hard he's like huh, 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 and it starts like sobbing and crying and going crazy and i'm mm-hmm. like are you okay what is going on i was so clueless i was like what is going on what what is what's up what john paul calm down whatever you tell me you don't have to get like this and he goes i'm gay and i was like oh well who cares you know, I was like, yeah. all right, great. You said that, you said that verbally. I said that verbally. I'm like, you don't have to worry about it. I don't care if you're gay or not, John Paul. But I didn't say like I'm gay. But he told me and the reason I told you that story before that that and, it, and John Paul and I talk about this all the time. We just talked about this last week. I find it very hard to understand. And maybe you can speak to it because you said you didn't come out to college. Mm-hmm. But he didn't even know he was gay until we went to the Good Earth. And he met Jim, and Jim brought up these feelings in him 
that he didn't had never felt before. That he realized he oh, was attracted to Jim. Yeah. And then it's when he was forced to confront it. But he, I mean, even to this day, we just talked, like I said, we just talked about this last week. He mm-hmm. said he that never even crossed his mind. Never. Yeah. Never crossed his mind. And as a possibility. So anyway, so I'm like, John Paul, you're being dumb. You don't have to be emotional uh, about this. I don't know why you're being emotional about uh, blah, 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 and being gay. And who cares, right? And he goes, okay, we mm-hmm. talk and we hang out. He drops me off at my apartment and he goes home. And I don't know what it was, but there was something in this week that in between of seven days where I said, I need to tell somebody now. I need to say it. And uh, so I went to go visit John Paul. Mm-hmm. And I decided to say it for the first time. And it's the it's the first time I ever said it. And also the only time I ever cried saying it. But I had the exact same reaction as John Paul, where I just was like a blubbering, crying mess saying it. And it felt like this demon was sort of coming out. I don't know if you ever felt that, but like, it sort of felt like I was vomiting something up, even though, like I said, you know, like I said, where I'm going to make it awkward is <clears throat> from a very young age until about puberty, I was um, molested by a cousin. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so I um, had gay sex from a very young age. And then yeah. there was a couple of years where I didn't. And then when I went to my all boys high school, um, I saw, well, the, like the fr- there was a freshman dance. And I went uh, with a friend that I knew from another school and stuff like that. And we went and boring. It was called the welcome dance for freshmen or something like that, right? And then we, we you know, we were, we couldn't drive. So I was waiting for my mom to pick me up. And there was some other kid. And my parents were notoriously late. Notoriously late, right? Yeah. So all the kids have left. And it's just me, maybe a couple of smattering of other kids, but me and this other guy in, in there, and he goes, oh, can I tell you a secret? And I go, sure. And he goes, come with me. And we went behind uh, this building, and he just pushed me up against the wall and started making out with me. And I was like, whoa. And I was like, made out back. And um, then uh, we just did it for a little while. It could have been 10 minutes. It could have been one minute. I don't know. And... Mm-hmm. um. And then we made it out a couple of times after that. But then I guess he somehow, I really don't even understand it now, but he uh, was in, must have been, there was like the secret gay underworld at my high school that I didn't, right. I still to this day don't know the extent of it. But guys would know it was safe to hit on me. You know, like the, mm-hmm. the story, one story I tell sounds like it's right out of Queer's Folk and I've told it a million times. Where, like I said, so like, my school got out at two, but my parents didn't pick me up until like five, because that's when they got off work and they got over there, like five or five thirty. Okay, yeah. So at a certain point, they um, closed the school buildings, but if you so you had to go pee or something, you were waiting. You had to go to the boys' locker room, mm-hmm. okay? And uh, uh, there was, I went there to go pee. And I don't know why this one guy was by himself. He was his name was Steve, Mexican guy, uh, lean like cholo type, like someone that you'd be on see on like um, LatinBoys.com or something. And okay. um, he comes, he gets out of the shower, but it's only him. I don't know why he was by himself. And Servite always made gay jokes anyway, 
but mm-hmm. I was peeing, and he goes, hey, Batance, uh, come over here. And I was like, I was so afraid of him that I went over there. And he goes, you want to penetrate me? He says the word penetrate me, right? So <laughs> that stands out. Yeah, that, yeah that's yeah. a word that's not really yeah. said. And I went, ah, ha, 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 right? Because I'm like, I don't want to get like, the shit be out of me. And he yeah, goes, who's hiding behind these lockers? Yeah, yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. And he goes, no, 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 for real, you want to? And I was like, oh, I was so scared. There was never any, I was not hard at all during any of this. I was one to get the fuck out of there. Mm-hmm. And then he came and he grabbed my junk. But then somebody came in and he like let go and he went back to his locker. And, and I just was just whatever. But mm-hmm. I, But clearly there was some sort of thing. So I hooked up with a few people during my high school career. And then I went to college. And then gym and all this stuff right with the guy at the after the dance you said that it happened a couple times after again where you guys would make out was that your call or was that him coming back to you especially freshman year always his call I, okay. I was, oh this happened throughout all of high school yeah 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 but only with him a couple of times in the freshman year beginning yeah okay in fact the way i came out to um, Mercedes and all the girls that I was friends with, Liz and Katie and Jen, we were a group of us. Mm-hmm. The way I came out to them, um, Mercedes already knew, but Liz, Jen, and Katie didn't know. And we were in college. I had an apartment. And everybody was over. And we were playing I Never. Okay? Mm-hmm. And um, the guy, he looked like, I don't think he really looked like this, but they said he looked like Michael J. Fox. Okay? Okay. Uh-huh. And so to get Mercedes, because Mercedes had made out with him later, mm-hmm. well, somebody said, I've never made out with somebody that looked at Michael J. Fox. Now, if Mercedes didn't know, I would have just let it go. But Mercedes knew. Mm-hmm. And so she looked at me and I was just like. <laughs> Joe sipping his beer. And everybody yeah. was like, what? And, and that's how I came out to those girls. Yeah, it was that story. Okay, so with that, I mean, even at that moment, that was a decision that you made almost using the comedy part of your mind, thinking, oh, this could be a beat of comedy or letting people into my life with using yeah. this to to really accept yeah. who, like, maybe they'll accept me and I'm going to take a risk by making this a, a moment of, mm-hmm. look at like, eyes are on me a little bit. Yeah. Do you think, that, I, I want to take a step and I want to come back to this, but mm-hmm. when John Paul told you and you telling John Paul, do you think that it took his... Him saying it first, if, I, I don't like a what if scenario, but if he hadn't said something to you, do you think that it would have come up with him first? It's hard to say. I don't know. Hypothetical. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I actually, and I've never told anybody this ever. I actually think John Paul had a crush on me in high school, but didn't know how to say it. Because okay. one, the way he'd behave around me, but two, I remember um, he was my understudy in a production of West Side Story. And I remember afterwards, he kept telling me about how he had this cousin who came to see, who lived in the Philippines, but came just to see West Side Story, where he was an understudy. Yeah. And that she was, all these things she had told him about how handsome I was and attractive I was and blah, 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 blah. But I don't know. I don't, maybe there was a cousin who thought that, but. Um, just testing the waters, maybe, to see how you reacted to yeah, that. Yeah, maybe. But according to him, he, and he, he swears up and down, he had no gay feelings about anybody. Okay. And. I, I want to speak on your guys' friendship because I've seen it firsthand again where it's it's unparalleled. You guys just have a really good friendship. So I think that it was a really important moment for him to have 
share that information with you. And I, if I was looking as an outsider, I would think that maybe click something in your brain to say, this is a safe space to share with. Yes, them. obviously. Yeah. 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 And then have you, again, we don't, we can cut this out or if you don't want to talk about it, but do you feel like you've kind of had time to carp, uh, what's that carp? What's the word I'm trying to say? Carmentalize? Car- Compartme- compartmentalize? <laughs> there it is. I couldn't say it. How do you, to what happened in high school and to you as a kid, like, is that something that you were able to look at and, and feel like you've had the feelings that you, the appropriate feelings for that? Yes and no. I go back and forth. You know, one time my therapist earned his entire, uh, I don't know what you call it, payment. Uh, um, one day when this is when I was dating Nick Swartzen and Nick Swartzen was awful to me. So awful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, and the cousin who molested me was so mean to me too. But whenever he wanted to have sex or fuck around, he was it been private, the sweetest person ever, you know? And maybe this is the same thing with Brett Baxley and, and um, Jimmy anti. And, uh, and Swartzen was the same way too. Swartzen in public, uh, he wasn't mean to me, but he was very like a, kept his distance right um but then you know oh my god if you ever see Swartzen around me he's just like melts melts right and um uh and then it happened with somebody else oh jonathan jonathan uses jonathan was always nice to be what but you know that's a whole other jonathan story there'd be a two-hour episode about that so Mm -hmm. i was i was complaining about jonathan and my therapist said hmm do you ever think about that you know there's a pattern with your cousin Swartzen and Jonathan. And I was like, <gasps> and it is weird how I do like repeat that pattern often with people who are one way with me in private, but another way with me in public. And that I think is why, to be honest with you, and I don't, we don't have to go there. I think that is why I was so head over heels in love with Cameron. Cause he was the first person who wasn't like that. Mm-hmm. Are you able to identify that quality in somebody faster now, or at all? I don't know. I just I just connected it with Jimmy slash Brett, you know. Yeah. So I don't know. Only in respect. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing. I mean, that's that's a very raw and open story, and it's nice of you to share because I, I I had glimpses of this instance from just stories that you've told. And I think we've talked a little bit about kind of some of these things, but um, it's probably good for people to hear just to kind of, if they're dealing with something like that, they know that there's light at the end of the tunnel kind of thing. Yeah. You can be a fat, uh, shifting, sh- shifting gears. What's your favorite kind of dog? <laughs> no, I just, I just like this. <laughs> go to the stupidest question. Yeah. Um, you talked, so you we focused more on your friends, but now I kind of want to get into family. Cause I know you have a good family relationship and what was their, what was their take on you growing up and becoming seeing you become the queer person that you are today? It's so funny um, because I did hear the tail end of your um, uh, interview with Mike Lawson because I was waiting to, to take it off. And I heard a question you asked, and then I'll save I'll save my answer for the end there. But I was able to relate it to my childhood in that, like... Um, it's so funny. It wasn't until later that I found out that a lot of the songs that I l- enjoy that my parents would listen to, my parents listen to all kinds of music, but the songs that really connected with me were all such gay anthems. You know, I didn't. Well, yeah, let's go there. Yeah. So, what's what's a song that you associate with kind of gay culture? 
or, or many songs. It's so funny. Like, there's the, see, here's the thing. I'm not a diva queen. So I don't think in terms of the present or my own present or anything like that. So the music that I identify with gay culture in terms of pop music, <clears throat> I would say uh, are like disco songs that maybe I didn't relate to, but I that they speak to a past that came before me. So like mm-hmm. when I was a kid, I just remember loving when my parents would listen to it like, Donna Summer, like I loved Donna Summer. I thought that was the greatest music. Barry Manilow, you know, mm-hmm. um, and with Barry Manilow, you recently had to break it to them that he's gay. Is that right? Yeah. Well, did, they, well, they didn't, yeah. You told me a story that they didn't know that Barry Manilow was gay. Yeah, and it came up when they were watching. They were laughing at the people who didn't believe Liberace was gay. Oh right. Yeah, we were. We had seen. We had seen behind the candelabra. And they were like, oh, these dummies who don't know who did not know that Liberace was gay. I'm like, well, it's just like those dummies who think that Barry Manilow's straight. And they're like, Barry Manilow's not gay. And I was <laughs> what like, dummies? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, uh, so a lot of that, that's for some reason, I assume, but because maybe the 70s, and, and, and I don't think I knew that then, but I think maybe the 70s leading into the AIDS crisis was just the, it's strange to say, the height of gay culture. Mm-hmm. That's kind of I don't know if you feel that way, but whenever I read like um, uh, what's the name of that San Francisco gay book, Tales of the City. Whenever I read Tales of the, Tales of the, parts of Tales of the City or like you read about gay culture in the seventies, especially in San Francisco, do you ever think, well, wow, what an amazing forget the AIDS part, but what an amazing time to be kind of to be gay. Uh, to me 70s and disco is hand in hand with gay culture like that yeah like just the 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 lights the dance floors Mm -hmm. the the outfits the the free love everything about it just seems like it was geared toward queer people living their best life it feels like throughout history there were certain times when pop culture and queer culture intersected. And I don't mm-hmm. think it's happened again like that since the 70s. But you had, like, obviously the 1940s and big band and swing, you know. And then it comes back again when the late 60s, you know, or then in 70s for disco. And, um, no, by the 70s and disco, where it just, it just, maybe it happens every 50 years or something. So maybe it's due for a resurgence. But where, like, pop culture and gay culture intersected and they were one in the same and um yeah i feel it was sort of because here's the deal and here's what i sort of miss is where i'm gonna sound like an old queer Mm -hmm. is and i was gonna get to this so funny is i always remember walking into my very first gay bar so john paul and i have now just come out to each other and there Mm -hmm. used to be a bar rupaul's talked about this actually this bar on um what's the tea and it was called oz okay and it okay. was in Buena Park. Okay. Oh, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're too young. It, it, like, it was it was demolished, like, when I was in my early 20s. Okay? And the only reason it was demolished was they expanded. It was right on the edge of the 5 freeway by Knott's Berry Farm. Mm-hmm. And they expanded the freeway. And so they tore it down, like, an eminent domain kind of thing. And But and to me, if I were to build a gay club again, I think I would build it in the model of Oz. It did this thing... That was probably prevalent in old gay bars that I don't see anymore, and I don't see why. There are gay bars that exist. Okay, so it had three parts to it, okay? There was Mm -hmm. the dance floor, 
Then there was like a steakhouse. It's really okay. weird, right? <laughs> Fantastic, yeah. Okay. I, I think I have to draw it. It's really weird. I'm going to draw it on this post-it. The way – I don't know what the exact shape was. Uh-huh. But uh, I'm going to draw an approximation, right? And so there were these wings, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so you can see it right here. And so the the whole circle was a bar, right? So it almost looks, just so the listeners can understand, it almost looks like if you're looking up at a ceiling fan. Yes, that's a very good example. And so like the middle of that is like this, the bar, you couldn't, you couldn't even cross through there, right? There were little mm-hmm. hallways that connected the blades of the ceiling fan, but the, the bartenders were all here and every room had access to the bar, right? Okay. But the dance floor was here. Here was the steakhouse. Okay, yeah. and then here was this tiny little cabaret where every weekend they had this amazing drag cabaret performer who was famous in Southern California in Palm Springs named Rudy De La Moore. Okay, and so he'd okay. be tick- tickling the ivories in the cabaret room. You, and so it was one of these places, and it was 18 and over, I think most nights. And so you could, that's why John Paul and I went, because of 18 and yeah. over. And... Um, you, if you wanted to dance, you could dance. If you want to take a break from dance, you can go hear Rudy Delamore singing, some <laughs> making fun of people and singing. Right? He's, they, they don't have performers like him anymore either. And um, then there was a steakhouse. I, only old people with their tricks went there. <laughs> I never ate the steakhouse. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So um, I remember we were in line to go in there, and I, I could still feel like the gravel, the crunch of the gravel in the parking lot under my feet, and like getting that anxiety that. I probably had close to when I was saying I'm gay because I, I remember I had my ID out and I was getting closer and the guy came to take my ID. And I remember thinking, all right, this is it. You know, once I go in here, this I, I'm officially I not to me. It wasn't saying it. It was going to Oz. It Accepting was, it. It was OK. I'm going to a gay bar. Mm-hmm. And um yeah. So how did we get here? What were we talking about? Oh, uh, I, music and kind of disco and I mean, kind of how your parents introduced you with music and yeah. it kind of shaped a little bit. But did that feeling of anxiety stay with you the entire night or did it melt away into something more pleasant? No, once I was in there, I was fine. But I've never felt comfortable at gay bars ever, 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 ever. I've never felt comfortable at them. So I remember I, I, even then, that's why I would mostly be in the cabaret room. I would go dance oh. sometimes. <laughs> you were putting on a show in there. It's just high kicking about. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, uh, hello, my baby. Hello, my honey. Hello, my ragtime gal. <laughs> John Paul's like, how did you get fishnets and a big skirt on? <laughs> um, well, that sounds like a fun class. I'm, I'm bummed I didn't know about it or hear yeah, about it. It yeah, sounds like it'd be a good time. I'm, I, wonder, I bet you it was a piece of trash bar. <laughs> but in my head, it was that quintessential gay bar that I, if I were to build a gay bar, I would build it in sort of the homage to Oz kind of way. It, it was your Oz. That was your, it was fun for you. Yeah. It was your fantasy. Um, we kind of talked a little bit about media. So I kind of want to go back to that. Was there anybody in the media that you felt represented you or how you were feeling at the time when you were young? Let's, let's kind of stay in the, the realm of when you were younger. Like as a gay person? Yeah. Like kind of coming up and realizing, oh, I see my, did you ever see yourself represented no. in media? No. I never identified, okay. that's what I said, I never was a diva gay, and then I never was a person like, Charles Nelson Riley really speaks for me. I uh, I did have an affinity for Paul Lind, and I thought he was funny, but then who didn't? But I never I never thought he represented me. No, I always wanted, like, I think that was where, like, there was this, like, I, up until very late, 
only saw straight people representing me. So, and I identified with that. I don't think I really, really identified with gay people that I can think of. Okay. And was it, do you think that there was a lack of representation? Is that how come? Or was it, was there gay people that you were noticing, but they just weren't your, your kind of gay? I think I was still going through a not knowing or not wanting to be uh, gay. Because I remember I was with my parents. We were watching the movie... Uh, is it called Trap Door? I mean, is there something? Is Tim and Alaska? He might remember. It was a movie with Michael Caine. Um, it was Michael Caine and Christopher Reeve. What the fuck was the name of that movie? Where um, Superman? No, <laughs> <laughs> Death Trap. I think it's called. Oh, okay. Yeah. There is there is a uh, a movie called Death Trap, right? And uh, it, it and in the movie, Michael Caine's married to this woman. The whole plot, but the, the big twist that you find out in the middle of the movie, sorry, is that Michael Caine and Christopher Reeve are gay lovers. So when they do mm. the twist, they make out, right? I remember I was watching with my parents, and I legit did this. They made out, and I ran to the bathroom and vomited. Oh, wow. Yeah. I ran to the bathroom, and I vomited. Um, and so, uh, because I, I, and I don't know why. I still, I, it has to be a very interesting thing to, to, to figure out why I vomited, but I vomited. Seeing them make out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just a visceral reaction that you had to that. Yeah. I wonder if that would have been the same thing if you weren't watching with your your parents. True, I don't know. Could you? Could you? Everybody loves the story about Betty. Could you? Is there a time that you had the conversation with her? How did how did that all go with you? Did you ever have to officially come out with your parents? Yeah, there was one day. I don't know. I must have been mad at them or something like that. But I remember I was in my bedroom and I was like, "Fuck them! I'm gonna come out right now. Let's just fucking do it." I'm probably in my early twenties, twenty twenty one, right? I'm going to fucking just do it. Let's just do this. Come on. Do this. Do it. Right? And they were downstairs watching television. Trapdoor again. They're like... <laughs> yeah. And, and you, throw, you run around and vomit. Yeah, I run around and vomit. No, I go downstairs. I'm, I'm going to fucking do this. And I go and I, I go, can you guys pause the TV? Well, I, I go, let me tell you something. And they go, yes. And the TV was saying, like, this is important. Can you, can you turn off the TV? Right? And they go, they go, pause. Okay, yes. And they're staring at me and I go... Mom, Dad, I'm gay. And then my dad goes, uh-huh. And I goes, who do you think you're fooling? We all knew. And my dad goes, yeah, in fact, you would think for being gay, your room would be cleaner. Oh. And I went, all right. And I just went right back upstairs. And that was the end of it. So really no fuss. And then since then, I mean, they've gone with you now to places. And I mean, do they, are, they're not like setting you up on any, they're not being like, oh, what do you think of him? They're, do they ever bring it up with you? Or is it not really a, a conversation anymore? No, I think they want to live in a world where, um, and I think a lot of gay pa- pa- parents with gay kids have this of a certain age. Well, they would rather see me in a very asexual being kind of way. Mm-hmm. you're gay and we just i you know they cameron and i broke up maybe like a few days before they were going to meet cameron like they were up there was a, an event where they were going to meet cameron mm-hmm. and um we broke up 
like right before that, but they were about to meet Cameron. They've actually never met anyone that I was dating. I was going to ask that. So they, but they knew of Cameron. What's the longest relationship that you've had? And you don't have to name names if you don't want to. It was sad. It was a guy named Tim that I dated in college. And that was about two years. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, and so they didn't meet him. Was that a serious relationship or was it kind of on and off and convenient? I think, at the, I think at the time I thought it was serious. Like most Joe Batant relationships, there was a there was a long distance aspect to it because um, about we met when he was in junior college, getting ready to go to school, and then for the second year of it, he was going to UCLA. So he was at UCLA. So I only saw him on some weekends and whatnot. So. Mm-hmm. And you've uh, you've lived in Southern California your whole life. You never moved away. So you do you feel like this environment, just the state, the cities that you've lived in, has been a pretty safe space for you to live truly to who you are? Yeah, that's one of the I've never ever in my entire life, and maybe it's because you see, I think at Servite I had to be somewhat straight passing, or I would have gotten my fucking ass kicked. Mm-hmm. And so it's not something I've been conscious of, but I think because I'm straight passing. I've never had a negative experience being gay. Ever. Yeah. I have a question because I was introduced to you obviously as being gay because we met through a drag race and it was through podcasting. Do you find yourself in company of new people or strangers where you're introduced to somebody having to feel the need to code switch to help let them feel more at ease? If, if they're commenting on women, do you, do you not say anything or do you kind of lead with, Hey, I'm gay by the way. Ta- and I'll tell you why. Uh, Taylor wisely, I've said this, I think, on each podcast, but Taylor the Latte Boy has said, we don't have to come out once in our life. It's constant. Like, we just have to keep telling everybody whether we want to or not. And I think it's interesting how different queer people adjust their behaviors depending on what they want to do or how they how they handle that. I can't remember the last time I came out. Okay. Do you think that people are saying, and this is my flaming queen of a friend, Joe Batanz, <laughs> before they meet you? I don't know. You know, the problem is that most of the people when I'm meeting new people are so chill with gay people. It's like it would almost be gauche to announce it. Right. It would be more weird for them to say that. Yeah. I mean, I think you got to understand, you know, like when you're around like show business people, like for you to go, I'm gay. They would be like, <laughs> okay. okay. <Yes. laughs> yeah. Didn't, didn't ask. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Okay. I always, I think it's interesting because I, I find myself in situations sometimes where I'm like, oh man, do I break it to this cashier that the woman in front of me who he's now commenting on having a great ass. I'm like, uh, what do I do? It, do I, is it worth the effort oh, of saying? Those situations happen. I just don't comment. I go like, yep. Oh, really? <laughs> she looks fantastic. Yeah. It's always do you think she pads? People. Yeah. <laughs> great gams. <laughs> great gown gorgeous gown or what's that amazing gowns um yeah i uh I, I don't know it's i think it's an interesting thing um i want you this is going to take you back a little bit but can you remember who your first crush was yeah celebrity um, or was it a real person it was a real person uh because I, I, we're talking crush right we're talking like crush like you you uh, something awakened in you and you thought oh i'm realizing who i am you know what i will actually can i do that right now I don't know. Uh, I, can, I may be able to show you something. If what? it's that TV star with the three names, I'm going <laughs> to... Come on here. Um, <laughs> is, I, might be, I might be able to show you something, but um, when I was a... That same production of West Side Story, 
right? Uh-huh. I grew very close to uh, a senior in high school, in my high school, who was so hot, right? Mm-hmm. What's funny is I always felt like I sort of discovered him because he was kind of a nerd. Okay. okay. And, just, and he took off his glasses and overalls and yeah, he realized yeah. he's stunning. Yeah. But um, I don't remember how I met him. I still can't remember how I met him. But Not I met his him. class or anything? It was no, just... no, no. He was two years older than me. Okay. Um, it was a very small school, so he wouldn't have had the same classes. Uh, he, um, I, don't remember how, I don't remember exactly how I met him, but I met him. And he and I hit it off. And I remember I started finding out all these like crazy things. Like he had like the the school record for most number of push-ups. He had this incredible oh. body, right? Yeah. And he okay. Was a, and he was a swimmer. And uh, and I just I didn't know what those feelings were at the time, but I was just smitten with him, smitten. Okay. Hmm. And I didn't know how to channel those feelings. And I remember, because he was a senior and I was a sophomore, so at the end of that year, uh, he graduated. And um, I was just crestfallen. I was just, oh my God. But I didn't know why. I was just like, I just thought my friend was leaving, you know? Mm-hmm. But I was just, and he, and so the real, I, I might have a, a either a letter or something he gave, I know I have something he gave me when he left. And um, he wrote me this really nice letter and um and he went to uc irvine mm-hmm. which is where i went to college and the reason i went to college there was because he went there i was gonna ask i applied there and i accepted sight unseen because he went there and did you have a did you guys reconnect once you were there i lived with him my sophomore year oh okay Mm-hmm. Funny, so more than uh, just yeah, yeah oddly enough it the uh, he moved out didn't end well we haven't really been friends since but uh now he's a he's the, but he's the one that introduced me i just talked about him on the mike lawson thing he was the one that became like a film buff and he's the one that took me to see pulp fiction mm-hmm. and uh he wanted to be he decided he wanted to be a screenwriter then and i had no like i had no interest in that whatsoever and right. that's why he took me to go see pulp fiction but now he's a writer and he writes on um, what's the show with the people with the this and the that on Hulu? I keep wanting uh, to say Dashboard Confessional, but that's not what it's called. It's, a, it's an emo band. Yeah, it's a it's a Hulu exclusive. Yeah. Okay, and you said you were pointing to your face or your, your and head the women, shape. And the women wear those things. Oh, Handmaid's Tale. He's a writer on there. Oh, cool. Okay, and. Uh, and yeah, you, you can look him up and stuff like that. And uh, he's still a handsome middle-aged man. But um, yeah, so uh, he was my first crush. I was just crest. Oh my God, I was so heartbroken when he left. Yes. Did you keep it to yourself or did other people know about it? I kept, oh, I, no, I kept it to myself. I, I, I don't even think, I mean, not that it was a secret, but I don't think I even talked about it since. Because we had such, a, we had such an acrimonious ending that I don't want to talk about it just because I'm still sore about the way it ended. You know, mm-hmm. and, and yeah. he moved out. You know, did you did you have any experiences where you felt bullies were att- because of who you were? Were you bullied through school? 
or outside extracurricular activities? Okay, very tricky question. You're asking all these questions with very long answers. So I went to a horrible high school called Servite High School. It's an all-boys high school. And based on the stories you've just heard and, and uh, people think that it's an all-boys high school, they think it's super gay. But the reality is that it's actually hyper-masculine. Hyper-masculine, almost like Lord of the Flies. And... I don't know what was going on my sophomore year. I don't know what was the what I don't know what I feel Servite's always like this, even to this day, but there was something in my sophomore year that changed the course of my life where I had a Filipino friend and a black friend. They were my two best friends in high school. My black friend's name was Zaire. And we were very peacefully eating lunch. Uh and a bunch of guys white guys came up to us we were bothering no one in fact we were kind of off from the lunch area and uh one of the guys walked up to zaire and everyone crowded around us and stuffed a banana in his face and said eat this monkey and then zaire fought back and of course as i don't know if school still do this zaire was suspended and this kid was suspended and um and ever since that moment Ever since that moment, so I was never technically bullied. Mm-hmm. Um, but ever since that moment, uh, I went and ate, and I, I would eat. Where would I eat lunch? I don't even. Remember, I don't remember where I would actually physically eat lunch. But then I would always hide in the library. So me and my nerdy friends would go hide in the library and make fun of people. And my way of fighting back was I would write these um, little comics, and I still have them. I still have them. I don't know how accessible. I don't know if I'm in a box somewhere or whatever. But I would write these little comics about making fun of the people who used to pick on people, and I would write um, musical song parodies uh, about these people making fun of them, and I would show it to everyone in the library. But I wouldn't ever leave the library I, ever, and so I was never picked on. I was more like invisible, and it's one of these things where there were like 150 kids in my class, but I bet you a fair number of them, if you were to say like. Do you remember Joe Batanz? A, a, a fair number of them would be like, ah, did I know that guy? They would just not even know. Mm-hmm. You don't know what the inciting incident was for them to come up to you at all, because they had to go out of their way to get to you guys. No, I think there there was a strong sense. Zaire was the only black kid in the class, and there is a strong sense of hyper-masculinity and racism at Servite. I don't know if it's still, again, I don't know if that's still the case. I get a sense it is, but they, they've done shitty things since then. It's 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 a, it's a shitty school with a shitty culture. Mm-hmm. Don't don't yeah. ever don't ever. Uh, there's some great people who've come out of there, but um, uh, there's strangely like um, who's the guy that played Putty in Seinfeld? He went there. Um, uh, I know his name, yeah. and it's going to drive me. Cr- uh, and, and, uh, he has such a name. Yeah, and then that guy McDonald from Mad TV. What's his last name? The one that played the little kid, Matt McDonald Matthew. Oh, yeah. No, Michael. Michael, he went to Servite. The the Gaijin from, a lot of gays, the Gaijin from uh, Entourage, he went to... Uh, Lloyd, I don't remember yeah. his real name. He went to Servite and John Paul. Uh, yeah. You know, um, yeah. But they only celebrate the athletes. They never, they rarely mention Michael McDonald or the Gaijin. Interesting. Okay, well... <laughs> Yeah, they're choosy, I guess. Who they? Yeah. And then, do you take? So you said that you would kind of deal with it by writing <laughs> comics or making parodies of things. Is that have you taken that into your adulthood? If you face something that you're kind of well, I'm really good at song parodies. So mm-hmm. um, I think it was something I just I just uh, you ch- channeled that skill. Um, 
then into writing song parodies. They're like little yeah. problems to me. And um, yeah, and I, th- I think that's also why I like the 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 composer Stephen Sondheim because he's such a good lyricist. Yeah. All right. Well, that's really like the meat and potatoes of the podcast. I, I feel like I got answers that maybe people haven't heard or I haven't heard a lot of these stories. So mm-hmm. I feel good about it. How do you feel? I feel fine. I mean, I'll, I'll answer whatever question you want. This is your show. I know. I don't. But I, you keep apologizing. There's nothing I won't say. I, but it has to come up organically. I'm not going to be like Mike Lawson goes like, so I'm fucking this Filipino guy. I'm like, hold on for a second. Have you ever heard the story by the time that the kid got bullied at Servite? <laughs> I didn't. I don't think I'm apologizing. I just feel. I feel like these are open, and um, you're telling them without. I appreciate the like the honesty. There's no flourishes to the stories, which is nice. No, no, they're completely honest. Yeah. Well, I'm not trying yeah. to be funny. Can don't you? you? <laughs> don't you? <laughs> I feel like Leslie Jones last night and talked for Be what are you going to do to be funny? Don't you have these, like, five questions about, like, what's my favorite word? Or something? I do. I do. You want to get into those? Those are my fast questions. Oh, yeah. And we're sure. kind of at that time. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, favorite color? Either, like, an emerald or forest green or, like, a, a royal blue. I like those colors a lot. For a lo- Have you liked those for a long time, or are they I didn't always appeal to me. I don't know why. Okay. I, mean, I remember it, the kid, even, like, the Crayolas, I mean, like, my favorite Crayolas and stuff. Oh, so it's been a long time. Yeah. Okay. Your car, your bedroom, and your kitchen are a disaster. Which room do you clean first? Kitchen. 100%. Why? I love to cook. And I, when I cook, uh, I have to have like the, all the whole mise en place, kind of like everything in the right place. So like the kitchen always has to be clean. Car, for some reason, cars always last. Car, I just beat the shit out of my cars. I don't know why. I, my cars are not... Never judge what the house looks like based on my car. For some reason, I just don't give a shit about cars. I'm okay. very I, whatever I, about cars. I'm not a car gay. As long as it gets you from point A to point B, I you're happy. Like, I don't know if he's there, but I feel like Jordan Darling's a car gay. I could see him being a car gay. Okay. Yeah. Do you know what car he... What's he driving? No, I could see him doing like, you know, like he knows like the RPMs or like the horse gallons or what are they called again? <laughs> horse... Horsepower. Horsepower. Like, he knows all that stuff. <laughs> you almost have me say horse lines. And I'm like, yeah. I don't know what that is. I'm clearly a car gay. Um, okay, is there something that you're curious about right now? Something? What does that mean? Uh, what does it mean to you? Is there something that you're curious about? No. I don't. I mean, okay. it, no, it's weird. It's, it, it, that's why I, I don't. Have, there's no one thing where I'm like I need to learn about uh, magic, you know, or like I like to learn a little bit about everything. Am I? What am I curious about? You know, I'll tell you what. This will be this will be my cheat answer. I can't think of anything. I find myself whenever I love talking about intellectual property law. It's really weird. And God, you, and Paul, you and Paul could have a convo. Does Paul like IP law? Yeah. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I love IP law. I do not know why. If there's an IP law story, I love reading it. I love talking about it. And what's funny is if you would have – because my original when I was in going to college, I was going – I think I was going to be an attorney because I think I wanted somehow to be an entertainment. So I wanted to be an entertainment attorney. And I actually think the reality is I would have hated that. Mm-hmm. But – even though IP law can be a form of entertainment law, but like 
I love having conversations about intellectual property and like when copyrights run out. And um, uh, I also love num. I I love numbers in the way like an actor or like a creative person. Like I don't want to know calculus, but I love looking at like data, like on five thirty eight, like election data and like how these states are voting and why are they voting this way and mm-hmm. how is that? like I love the way numbers work but again from a distance not from I don't want to really get into it I, but I love to read stories about numbers uh, so that, I'll, I'll, that'll be the answer I love reading I'm curious about um, uh, like data okay like how and what that means yeah and and you feel like you actively search out those kind of Things. I'm always interested in those stories. I'm always interested in data. I think the other thing I'm interested in too is like having people do th- talking to people about other than what they're known to be talking about. Like for instance, I have a friend who is right now a doctor on the front lines in New York dealing with the coronavirus, right? And mm-hmm. I'm going to buy him this piece of art. So I told him. And as a gift, I'd like to thank him. And he said, oh, when we were talking, he said his girlfriend just, just such a fucking fucked up story. His girlfriend dumped him because of the coronavirus. Because she hasn't seen him in three weeks. I'm like, That's what a fucking bitch. Right? Yeah, that he's, not great. He's pretty broken up about it. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, oh, can I call you about this later? And I go, yeah. I would way rather, I'd love talking to like a doctor. And I actually think this is why Chris and I connected. Like I love to, I want to talk to a doctor in the front end of the coronavirus about everything but the coronavirus, and I want to talk like so when Chris and I talk, we talk about everything but filmmaking. You know, mm-hmm. like I don't really have an interest in talking to people for the most part in what they do. Um, well, I think because they've already proved themselves that they can do that, so maybe you're wanting to see what else they can talk about. No. Well, I think I think what it is is it's a way in to get because I'm curious. So I guess a better answer to your question, I'm curious about people. I find people very interesting, mm-hmm. but I think if you go in like the typical way, you're you're gonna get like if in other words, if you know this, like for instance, if I were to talk to a celebrity and go like, uh, if you were talking recently about how you were in a situation where you encountered Aaron Paul, yeah, and that you're like, well, I wanted to talk to him, but I wasn't gonna say like all these quotes from Breaking Bad, you know? yeah, and that's just, yeah, because if you do that, you're immediately put in one category. You're not spoken to like that Mm -hmm. you know um and it's not that i'm trying to weasel my way in but i think it's it's one of these things where i would rather hear about them talk about their love of sports racing or cooking or something like that i don't know why i find that way more interesting than anything show business or anything like that or like or or whatever they do whether like i don't want i don't want to hear about the coronavirus and i think that also extends people have said that I'm really good at um, when, like, there's a tragic thing. Like, someone, like my friend Melissa McQueen, her um, mom died suddenly. And her boyfriend at the time, not her husband, called me and said, Hey, Melissa's really broken up about this. Can you come over and just kind of cheer her up? And I came over and mostly because I, I didn't know what to say. So I felt awkward. So I just talked about anything but her mom dying. Mm-hmm. But that was important to her because it got her mind off of it for, like, an hour or two. Yeah. You know? And so I would rather hear people talk about that. I, I, I don't know why I find that very interesting. Um, you, you went from not curious about anything to curious about everything. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I told you at the beginning. Like, I think even when you met, I, I don't think you and I have ever had a real conversation about AfterBuzz. I think it's come up, but I don't remember going like, so tell me about AfterBuzz. You drive where and do da 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 I don't know why I don't find that very interesting. I want to yeah. know about, like, your boyfriend and uh, where did you grow up? And I don't know. I find those things more interesting than... than yeah, well, and I feel like that's what's shaping a person. I mean, the the X's and O's of a job is who cares, like, really, when it comes down to it, it's kind of dumb but yeah i think that the personal questions seem more you get more fun answers and you get an insight into the, who the person is mm-hmm. and it's yeah. something i've learned with uh, uh, I, wait are you have to go somewhere or am i taking you away from me oh no I'm, I'm adjusting my feet it's something that i've learned with afterthought too and i was i talked about this on an episode of this joe batanz recently and it's some inner soul searching that i'm doing too in that like um look afterthought i mean as much as i love everybody here is like Tiny, 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 tiny. Couldn't be tinier, right? It's a little tiny community. But even then, I'm seeing an understanding, maybe not necessarily agreeing with the tactics that some celebrities take, but I'm understanding now the whole, like, I had a, I talked about this on this job with Tans, but I had a former student who interned at Conan O'Brien mm-hmm. and had told me that at the, when Conan had his own show, that he had his own hallway. That he used at showtime to go from his dressing room to the stage. He didn't want to see anybody on his way from the dressing room to the stage. <laughs> and I think a, a, a person who's not in show business or not in that position wouldn't understand that. It sounds really obnoxious. Mm-hmm. But now um, doing this, I kind of get it. It is still kind of obnoxious, but now I kind of understand it. Or I kind of understand the whole... Now get Steve under- Harvey. What's Steve Harvey? Oh, he, he had a uh, do not come to me with notes. Do, I don't, do you remember the rules <laughs> yeah, that went yeah. out about his? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. I kind of get it. Now, I disagree with his tactic, but I kind of get it. And I've been very, it makes me feel really sad. I've been very short with somebody who disobeys those invisible rules that I have set up, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm fine, trying to find a way to, to deal with that diplomatically because I don't want to be that person. But... um but I get it. I think at a certain point, uh, you have to protect um, what you do, and you yeah. just don't want to talk about when you're done. When you're do when you're done, you're just done. And right. um, and it's not that you know. I was talking to Evan when Evan left, and he he said that he wanted to, he missed enjoying, just enjoying Drag Race. And I think you and I talked about this, mm-hmm. where the other day, I was thinking about um, pop culture that I could, you know, that I could consume, that wouldn't upset me, and I was thinking about Dr. Pimple Popper, and I was thinking about all these other shows I could watch, and oh, that won't upset me, you know, I don't want to say anything upsetting. And it occurred to me when I was walking around, that Drag Race, like, I own all the seasons of Drag Race, and it never occurred to me, and still, even since I, re- I realized this, it still hasn't occurred to me in a real way that I could just go watch old seasons of Drag Race. But like mm-hmm. this has, this has turned RuPaul's Drag Race into a job, and a job that I love. I love this job more than anything in the world. It's the best job I've ever had, but it's still a job. Yeah, yeah. I I came. I did years at AfterBuzz covering covering RuPaul's Drag Race and doing DragCon, and mm-hmm. I I continuously it's one of my favorite shows even while i was covering it but now watching it as an audience member and not dissecting it moment by moment it really does change the experience where um and and i don't know i mean i don't know if people really understand kind of what comes with criticisms of people who listen to podcasts or watch content where they 
they want their voice heard. And my thing was, well, start your own pot. If you have these so many opinions, like I'm, I'm nobody special, like get yourself a podcast, put yourself on a platform where if you have these opinions, put them on because it's hard to um, kind of siphon through the filters and really come out on the other end when people are telling you that your opinion is wrong. And it's like, but it was my opinion of a show that we watched something and you may have liked Rockham Sakura last night, but I didn't. So don't, instead of telling me I'm wrong, make a platform for yourself where you can put yourself up there. But you know what's so funny? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flip that on you for, because it's one of these things where, and I'm going to use Jimmy slash Brett Baxley, is on the flip side is I gave him and George and Evan, but George never took it as something he wanted to do. All right. So I give, I almost respect George for that. Like I do it, you know, but whatever. Yeah. And same thing with Evan. But I happen to know that Brett wants to take this and launch from it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And one of the conversations, like, so I, I think I'm talking about, I've talked about this other place, but I don't know where, is when, when the rumor mill changed and Evan and George left, I offered Jimmy uh, a recurring guest spot on the rumor mill to sort of give these friends with Crystal Method to uh, come on. And just basically, because he was going to go to all her uh, viewing parties. Right. And sort of spill the tea of what she shared at her viewing party. And I was going to pay him. And he was like, no, it's okay. I'm going to pass. Right? In a nice way. But I remember thinking he wanted to start a YouTube channel or something like that. And I was like, oh, you're so dumb. (laughs) Like, I think think there's this, like, look. I realize that I'm lucky, and I'm basically taking the embers that I got and trying to turn them into something bigger. But um, but to have a platform like Drag Race Recap or that many listeners, so then you can go on there and say, like, I'm on here every week, and I also have this YouTube channel that gives you those. And to be like, no, it's okay. I think in his head, he like, oh, yeah, well, because this is true. Up until very recently. So when I started doing Drag Race Recap... There were maybe three shows, and then I became aware of a couple, two or three more, four more other, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't. I was talking to somebody, and they said they did a Drag Race recapture, and I had never heard of it. And I was like, what? And then I go, and I went and looked, and I know it's going to sound shocking. There are so many Drag Race podcasts out there. Like, so many. Yeah. I didn't realize how many there were. And so, like, you're going to go now and try and start something new? Like, so you're saying go and do your own podcast? Good luck breaking through the wall. Like, the satur- It's a saturated market, for sure. Yeah, we're lucky. I don't even know how. I mean, I realize something. When I, when I don't want to do this, I have to feel like hashtag blessed or whatever that is. But, like, we, just because we were first to market kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but uh, go ahead. I want to clarify that when you say uh, you're dumb about his decision, it's not a It's in. For him, for somebody to have an opportunity and then they can build on top of that by having YouTube working, coinciding. That way you're getting traffic in from one venue to yours and, and having a platform. It's kind of like starting at a four instead of a one um, by, get, by by having a platform that you're able to provide at this point right now. Is that kind of clearing it up? No, I still think he's stupid. He's, <laughs> I'm trying. He's, okay, go ahead. He's 20 years old, right? He's 20 years old. When you're 20 years old, you don't think four steps ahead, you know? You, you, it's not even that he's he's incapable of doing it. He's like, no, he's physically incapable of uh, of of thinking 
ahead. You don't get that till you're like 25, 24, 25 of, of realizing consequences and, and doing all that. Your brain's not developed yet. Mm-hmm. And I think in his brain, and this this is what's so funny, and I didn't know this then. It's it's it. There's a there's a weird twist now. Is and we this, I mean this is an interesting conversation we can because this is beyond the purview of the show. So let's wrap it up. But let's talk, let's talk let's have a conversation off the air about how this coronavirus might spell. This might be the the. Um, figurative shark, proverbial shark that RuPaul jumps over, I mean, coupled with Sherry Pie, mm-hmm. in that I don't know, maybe the show goes on, but I think we're seeing the utter collapse of the drag financial market. Like these poor fucking season 12 queens just got fucked so yeah. hard. Like, oh, people yeah. don't, you, all their all their gigs canceled. Yeah, yeah. like this is. When you well, we'll talk about it off the air. Okay, so what's the okay. next question? Well, that was what are you curious about right now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay, the next one. Brag about something you're good at. You know what's so funny is, and if people could only see this, because I'm actually always shocked that people aren't good at this. Uh, you have to be in that situation, so I don't think many people are. I'm a really good, and I don't mean podcast host. I think because I have some levels of social awkwardness, whenever mm-hmm. I host a party, uh, I'm really good at making everybody feel connected and introducing them and doing all that stuff. Like, oh, Jay, you like eggs and Mercedes is a chicken, you know, like, and then uh, <laughs> I don't know what it is, right? but like, <laughs> but like connecting people, making sure because I'm always the guy at the party who doesn't know. I don't know how to do my in at a social event, especially when I don't know anybody. And uh, I'm so I feel like I'm really good because because I have that social anxiety when it's my world I'm really good at making everybody feel I was good at, and it, it also comes from the SAT background where like it's sort of your job to make this disparate group of kids um, become one cohesive class so all so many kids one brain yeah so, yeah let's just get that. Okay. three kids one, <laughs> one brain. brain. <laughs> Um, okay, how about, what's your favorite physical feature of yourself? Really weird one. I didn't, I wouldn't have had one until Sweet Michael told me. I have really good, um, nail beds. They, yeah, they are. They're really good. Yeah. And you didn't, that wasn't something that you recognized on yourself. It was no. He, he, I was, he was with me and he was like, oh, you have really good, like, nail beds. Um, uh-huh. it's, it's the only thing I think is good in my... Well, what's your favorite physical feature to look at of somebody who you're attracted to? Face. Face, face, face. 100% face. All right. And what are you most complimented on? I'm not even being funny. I'm not being funny. No one ever compliments me. That's absolutely not true. Jay, I'm telling you. I'll tell you why I think it. I'll tell you a story. Remember that humor column? I told you about that was yeah, super popular. I, it's Cup of Joe. Cup of Joe. When my roommate graduated from college, mm-hmm. okay, he was a year behind me. But I still st- lived with him. I still I stuck around. When he graduated, he was with his girlfriend, and she goes, are you going to tell him? And he goes, ugh. Right? And he told me a story about how he was in this big lecture hall. Right? Yeah, and somebody said shouted something funny 
in the class, and the entire lecture hall laughed. And that there were some guys in front of him, and one of them turned to the other and said, oh, man, that was so funny. That was straight up Cup of Joe. And the guy was like, oh, man, don't say that. Cup of Joe's funnier than that guy. And he ne- for years, he didn't tell me that story because he knew it would give me a big, giant head. Right? Uh-huh. So I All think right. people think, oh, Joe's always getting complimented, so I'm never going to compliment. No one ever compliments me. Ever, 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 ever. <laughs> And is that your love language, do you feel like, is um, what's that, words of affirmation? Do you feel like you get a good I, feeling? I took, I took that test, and I think that's what it was. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I, you don't have to give me a present. You don't have to, like, I am all about, write me a letter, say nice things to me. Like, that is 100% everything. I never hear it. And, and, and I do, and I do, I will say, I do agree it's my fault. I agree 100% is my fault because I do that thing. Where I'm, con- I'm very, I have a very self-effacing sense of humor because that allows me then to make fun of other people if I'm making fun of myself just as much as I make fun of other people. But I think mm-hmm. it also the the flip side is it gives people the license to then constantly insult me. That yeah. that was my problem with the rumor mill is I would go on there and it was just they would just hurl insults at me, and I was like, what did I do? I'm just here. And it's yeah. Jimmy, George, and Evan tell me how ugly and old I am the entire time. Well, I think there's there's got to be a hard wiring that you need to reset in your brain. Because I know that there's so many compliments that come in for the shows that you put on. And I think that you can personally take nuggets of those compliments and apply them to yourself. Because you're really running an entire station and putting out great content that people are enjoying and looking forward to. And I don't think that that's, that's not you. Okay, you ever hear in this comedy duo Abbott and Costello? Yeah, I know of that. Friends of yours, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Abbott, I know of that. Abbott wasn't funny, right? But he was a great straight man. I genuinely don't think I'm very funny, but I do think what I'm really good at, going back to what I'm bragging about, mm-hmm. Adam Burns, Laurie Roggenkamp are perfect examples, is I'm really good at letting them be who they are and making them the sort of the star. Laurie Roggenkamp's a perfect example. If you've heard this Laurie Roggenkamp with anybody else, he's horrible. Right. Yeah. There's something about the two, something the two of us and <laughs> she's so. Bo- Does anybody listen to this bloody podcast? If Lori was such a star, people would be listening to this bloody podcast. They have four mm. listeners, right? And um, <laughs> because she's so boring, right? But it's because because the other person doesn't know how to use Lori. The Lori would go there and go like. Um, my brother peed on my pussy when it was filled with dirt. Okay, anyway, moving on to uh, Ted Bundy, <laughs> right? <laughs> right, and the same thing with um, the same thing with uh, uh Adam Burns. Adam, Adam Burns, yeah. who was on that show with Daniel Brewer, Adam Burns would drop these these nuggets of like, did I ever tell you I lived in a safe for twelve years? <laughs> and, and then Daniel would be like, and now it's time for birthdays, right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, and and just ignore it. And so I think that is my talent. That is my skill. I'm going like, wait, what did you just say? Let's go back four seconds right there, right? And But I think that's why people – so people love Lloyd Rockingham. You know, people love Mike Lawson. People love – but I, all I do is a conduit for those people. And I, that's another thing. To, oh, that that's another thing I'm proud of. And I think you would agree with this. I think you would agree with it. I, this is actually the thing I'm most proud of, actually. Mm-hmm. I think I have 
exquisite, amazing taste in friends. I think I have the most amazing friends. I am so good at choosing the people who are around me. Everybody, everybody that people meet in my life are always like, oh my God, they're so... John Paul, Adam Vaught, Mercedes. Everyone loves my friends. Okay? Yeah. And so, um, you. Everyone loves Jay Ellis. So, uh, no one likes Lori, though. But, <laughs> <laughs> no one's out. Can you bring Lori back? But... <laughs> She's not but, even here to defend herself. Yeah, but she's diff- she's special in a different kind of way. She's special <laughs> in like a needs kind of way. And um, and so I have, I have amazing taste in friends. And so I'm a really good conduit. I'm a really good connector. But I don't think I'm anything special or funny. Like no one will remember me when I'm dead. Like I'm not even. And I'm, I've, I said this to Evan and George and Jimmy off the air, and this is true. RuPaul's Drag Race recap is bigger than any of us, and that includes me. I could leave the show. And whoever comes in could carry the show just as well. Uh, like, for instance, those two British guys are going to do Drag Race UK in the fall. They'll be fine. People won't miss them. You know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So no one compliments me. Go ahead. Next question. Okay. <laughs> well, I think that's a cry for if anybody wants to send some com- comments with compliments, that would be a great use of your time. And I think that you just wrote the new version of A Star is Born where it's a podcaster taking on a new podcaster in the form of Lori Roggenkamp. Yeah. There's your script. And then I'm there's a picture. My, I'm going to hang myself in the garage. <laughs> Such a happy ending. Well, remember I was um, going to remember I was going to write um A Star is Pork. Were you around for that? No. Oh yeah, it was going to be A Star is Pork where I discover Lori Roggenkamp and um and it'll be like, "Tell me something, pig." <laughs> And then we <laughs> and sell it on that one line. How'd you great. ever get to be so big? <laughs> all right. Well, that that's really all of my questions. Is there anybody who wrote in Discord a question that has a pressing pressing uh, question for you, or should we call it? It's people writing things that I don't believe in the Discord. Let me see. No, Haley's mom agree with me. Um, no, no one had any questions. Okay. All right. Well, that's good. Then that, I think I covered all of them then. So honestly, Joe, thank you again for sitting down with me. This no, is, thank you for doing this. It's, yeah. It's really fun to learn about everybody and just kind of give everybody a different view of their favorite hosts. And I have a feeling that this was going to be one that people are going to look forward to and talk about because it, I think you revealed a lot of things that I'm, I'm happy I learned about you just from a friendship point of view. All right. Very good. Well, you know, everyone should know. I, I, <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> But, All right, well, yeah, I gotta go. Anyway, I gotta go. I, gotta, I, gotta, I finished this beer. No, but uh, uh, but we're turning we're turning the tables in the last episode where I'm going to do these questions to you. That's TBD. Not sure. What do you mean? Why? I don't know. I don't share that much about myself. <laughs> wait, like I wait. How are you expecting us to? Well, it's too late. I already answered all these questions. You're you don't. You, it's fun. That's very interesting. You don't want to answer. You don't feel comfortable answering the questions you just asked me. I'm going to hang myself in the garage. (laughs) We'll see. We'll talk about it. All right. Yeah. All right. So thank you, Joe. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Outcasts. I will be back on the next episode with the guest who is to be determined, but it'll be somebody fabulous. So until then, bye-bye. What was Lori's dumb line she wanted to do? Oh, can't remember. Staying in, come out. (laughs) Stay inside, but come out. I don't know what it was. This is why you had to see, yeah. It was a real treasure. Yeah. All right.